This is Welcome to the Narthex, a weekly podcast from Langley Emanuel Christian Reformed Church. The Narthex is the gathering place between the sanctuary and the world outside. For the curious to journey in and for the disciple to journey out. Whether you're a member of our church family or just peeking in for the first time, we're here to continue the conversation, explore ideas, and build connections. No frills, just real talk about faith. Welcome to the Narthex, where faith meets real life, one conversation at a time. Hey everyone, thank you for joining us today. My name is Kevin, and I am joined once again by two of my favorite philosophers this morning. Why don't you introduce yourselves this morning, guys? My name's Joshua. I am the Young Adults Ministry Coordinator here. My name is Chris. I am the lead pastor here at Langley Emanuel Church. And I'm not sure if I said this, but I'm the youth pastor here at Langley Emanuel as well. It's good that you are joining us this morning here at the Narthex. We are all about chatting about things of God, things of faith, and especially looking back at previous sermons preached. And so we're going to jump right into that in just a moment. First, what were some of the fun things you were up to this weekend? I had another soccer game with my son Malachi, and that was excellent. Uh, boys played really well. Um my son scored two goals, actually, so very excited. Way to go, Malachi. Got to watch him do that. Um, and then we hung out as a family on Saturday. We went into Abbotsford, and we went around Mill Lake. And on Sunday after church, it was beautiful and sunny, so we hung out with some other uh, family that we have here in town and went for uh, a hike together and then played hockey on the street and basketball. It was a great time. What about you, Josh? Um, I actually got to hang out with some friends I haven't seen in a while, which is awesome. Um, I mean, we just hung out, but it was just good seeing them again. Nice. Yeah. I went and picked up a pool at some dude's house. I brought uh, my buddy along because he had a big truck and he has stronger muscles than I do. And it was a lot more work than I maybe presented to him initially. So I was very grateful for his help. (laughs) All right. Now, this past Sunday, Chris, you preached on Romans 12. We, We started Romans 12. We hit the therefore. We've turned the page. Why don't you give us a little overview of what your sermon was on Sunday? Absolutely. Uh, Sunday, we, of course, are continuing through Romans. As you said, we hit the therefore, which means, in many respects, we're kind of turning the page. Uh, Paul, in his writing, follows an ordinary practice where he starts with uh, the indicative of the gospel, the story of the gospel. He says, this is what God is doing in the world in Christ Jesus. And then he shifts to the imperative of our response. That's the ordinary pattern of, of God's uh, writing through uh, throughout the New Testament. And the uh, imperative of our response here begins in Romans 12 with uh, the urging of Paul to offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. And so as we dug into that text on Sunday... We worked around the theme and the idea that the only thing that makes sense is to give it all to God. And so if you weren't there on Sunday and you need to take a moment to pause the podcast, now's a good time to do that. Read the first couple verses of Romans 12, get familiar with that text, uh, and this will start making a lot more sense. Romans 12, 
we spent most of our time asking and wrestling with the idea of what does it mean to be living sacrifices. This is a, a huge theme in the entire New Testament in response to being in Christ and, and living in the world as a disciple of Christ, and how we do that, um, and what that costs us. What's the cost of discipleship is another way to, to put that. Um, and how are we called to live in the world because of God's mercy? And so with that lens, Josh, what was something that sticks out to you from what Chris preached on Sunday? What hit me was the, the same, Jesus makes the same statement, obviously, because it's his word, but the, in different phrasing, he talks about how, you know, um, living, living as a living sacrifice is the same as taking up your cross, right? Christ was sacrificed on a cross. Um, and as the Christian life is, and as C.S. Lewis points to so well, is every morning we have to die to ourselves, is we have to constantly be putting to death the things that are not of God and living with him. And, and that's partly because a sacrifice in the Old Testament gets dissected and the bad is removed. And so only the part that is put on the altar is what remains. And well, we made that point on Sunday mm -hmm. too, right? That uh, one of the profound things about Paul's use of the phrase living sacrifice is that uh, in Old Testament experiences and in pagan cultic practices, um, a sacrifice is offered once and it is consumed. Yeah. And then you move on. But a living sacrifice means it is always and forever, every moment of every day. Mm -hmm. That you are called to, uh, we use the old word, mortify the sinful desires, mortify the things that aren't of God, to put them to death. And so, Josh, you're saying Old Testament, they remove all the bad. Now mm -hmm. we're called to be living sacrifices, and we are called to live. Now, so that's my mm -hmm. question, then. Is that our calling? Yeah. Like, we are now called to live. I mean, maybe this has to do with sanctification. Um, live our lives with all of that bad removed. Yeah. Well, and I think it's to live our lives with all of that bad being removed. Yeah. Well, right? that would yeah. be the pushback I think you yeah. could get is like, is that on us then to remove that? Or like, is that what being a living sacrifice is that we just keep working really hard to get rid of our sin? Because that becomes mm -hmm. problematic. Mm -hmm. Well, And Chris did a very good job at this in the sermon, which was, it's not to be saved. It's, this is the beginning of that verse you'll read. It says, therefore... And this is the whole living a life of sacrifice is predicated on the fact that you have been saved. The first 11 chapters of Romans, mm -hmm. you were sinful, saved, you're now the body of Christ. And because of that, and this ties into something we mentioned before, was Christ is sacrificed once and for all. And if we join him on the cross in baptism, if we share in that, then it's one sacrifice that continuously goes on in his body, us. And so... Yeah. That's right. And I think that's really important to, to recognize that um, it starts with the indicative of the gospel, mm -hmm. with the accomplishment of Jesus Christ, living the life I should have lived and dying the death that I deserved. That changes fundamentally who I am. That's what justification does. I'm given a new identity in Christ. I'm a new creation. And because of that, or in the language of Paul here, in view of God's mercy, 
Mm-hmm. Right? Because God's mercy has been offered and extended to me, because I have been transformed, I am now transforming into the image of Jesus Christ. And there's this dual sort of divine sovereignty, human responsibility thing that goes on here. Uh, and it happens all throughout the Bible. But you get this this call, um, for instance, in Philippians, to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, right? There's an imperative. But then immediately, Paul says, for it is God who works in you, right? And so you've got human responsibility and divine sovereignty that are not in contradiction, even if they are... Um, difficult to reconcile, but they work together Mm -hmm. to accomplish God's purposes of sanctification in the life of the believer. Right. And we did a a sermon series through James James a little while ago, which also wrestled with that a little bit. And if I remember that sermon series from uh, over a year ago, uh, maybe even two years ago now, um, we were doing our best to highlight that James is not Mm -hmm. comparing actually faith and works He's actually comparing faith with works and faith without works. Yeah. And how you can't have faith without works. You can only have faith with works. And that's that um, bridging of the gap, so to speak, between God's divine grace that he has given us, but also then our call to go and do, <laughs> go and, and be. And a simple verse that encapsulates all this together is not I, but Christ in me. Yeah. So that totally. anything I'm doing that is faithful is Christ in me. Right. And that moves us a little bit too into yeah. how, and, and Chris, again, you mentioned this on Sunday, how antithetical this verse mm-hmm. is to the culture that we live in. The idea that Christ has done all of this, this for us, therefore we are to deny ourselves and become living sacrifices, give it all to God, is what our calling is. But that's something our culture does not mm-hmm. enjoy hearing. Yeah, and, and of course not, right? Like, um, we live in a time and place that, um, you know, celebrates would be the polite way of saying it, but really idolizes human autonomy, idolizes uh, individuality, right? We create many gods out of ourselves or out of the view of ourselves, uh, and we... We operate as such in the world, thinking that I have a right to my own happiness, or I have a right to uh, whatever it is that brings me joy. Um, The call to put everything of myself to death in order to embrace and be embraced everything of who God is flies in the face of that completely. The idea then that we are to deny ourselves flies in the face of a culture that says, no, celebrate and express yourselves, mm-hmm. right? Those it, two things do not jive. It's also, it comes from a desire for, like, the avoidance of pain, discomfort, and suffering, which, yeah, those things aren't great, but the discomfort causes you to change. Pain causes you to move. Suffering produces godliness, as it says in Romans, and Christ was pleased to suffer on the cross and we are called to be like him. And so the, as you said in your sermon, this should make us feel uncomfortable because it, it is, it is, it is telling the part of you that needs to die, that it needs to die. And that part doesn't like it. Absolutely. And I think that uncomfortable aspect, um, 
and I tried to do this on Sunday, uh, and I hope it communicated well, but that is for all of us, mm-hmm. right? I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that, um, and, I, and I'll put myself in this group as a, a conservative kind of person, um, that a conservative can hear this and look at the world and be like, yeah, you need to do this. You need to do this, especially those of us who are more on the, in the political language, a social conservative scale, mm-hmm. right? You need to do this, um, this is how you are supposed to live, uh, and I can put that out to other people. And what I really want to do, and what I've what I felt and experienced God doing in my preparation for preaching last week was was hold up that mirror to myself. Say, what am I holding back from God? What am I keeping from Him? What do I need to offer as part of my worship as a living sacrifice? Giving that to God as a living sacrifice. Well, and, and you hit the nail on the head there, because I think if, whether you are listening to the sermon on Sunday, or whether you're listening to this podcast right now, if you are hearing this and thinking, oh good, they need to do that, you are not hearing this text properly. Mm-hmm. This is not deny, let others deny themselves and live like you are. This is no, no. Look at yourself and deny the things in yourself and become like Jesus. Give yourselves as living sacrifice, mm-hmm. holy and pleasing to God. Yeah. And so if you are hearing other people's names in your head right now and not yourselves, you're, you're not listening to the text. Because the text doesn't tell you to offer somebody else as a living sacrifice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I'm pretty sure that's forbidden. Yeah. And again, it, it does, though, go into, um, I mean, we talked about things like self-truths and chasing joy and happiness and, and expressive individualism or, or secular humanism, mm-hmm. if you want to use any of those terms to define our culture, how this flies in the face of that. It actually, in my mind, also then just flies in the face of the polarizing political world that we live in, because we are constantly looking at the other. Mm-hmm. We are constantly comparing ourselves to the other. Um, and again, even just in that mindset or in that heart, we are going against what this text is saying. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and like a, a a hopeful note is is that everything that needs to die is evil. So like when we're thinking like, but I don't want to let that die. The thing you don't want to let die is the thing that like needs to yeah. die. Yeah. And, and that comes back to the idea that we also brought up, but we didn't, we haven't really highlighted, but is we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. The we need to see ourselves by through God's eyes. Yeah, and we spent some time in in the text looking mm-hmm. at what does that mean because that's a really unique phrase yeah. in this text to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Uh, first of all, that word transform is only used one other time uh, in the Bible, but then also in the renewing of our minds aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, what does that mean? Because uh, here we're talking about putting to death, um, you know, in our bodies as living sacrifices, these things, um, and how does our mind and the renewal of our mind connect to that practice? And um, I think we've said it before, I don't know if it's on the podcast or uh, somewhere else, but the idea that you don't know what you don't know, Mm -hmm. um, or we have blind spots to these things. And so again, that was my prayer this week as I was preparing, Lord, what are my blind spots? What am I missing that I need to offer to you as a living sacrifice? That's the work of the Holy Spirit in the renewal of our minds, is praying that prayer, Mm -hmm. saying, God, reveal to me. Um, We looked at a text from Colossians, right, where we are instructed to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. 
the word of God is going to comb over you mm-hmm. and reveal those blind spots. But you got to be in it. Mm-hmm. You got to be in it. And I feel like we are we are segueing. I think we've done a fairly we spent a lot of time this is what the text says, this is what our culture is, this is how they don't jive together. Maybe it's worth spending a few minutes now talking about how do we actually though make this applicable? Like what does all of this mean and how does this land in my life? Like if we are to look at ourselves and become living sacrifices, what does that look like? Uh, what does offering yourself mean? And so in the question of uh, offering yourself or uh, taking up your cross and, and following after Jesus, um, I think we start to really get into um, twofold. Those things that need to be that need to be cut away, those things that need to be taken out of your life because they uh, are creating sin or leading to sin, or at, at minimum, they're not creating health, right? Um, but then also, the other side of that same coin is is not just what do we need to cut off, right? But what do we need to elevate? Mm-hmm. What do we need to lift up? What do we need to embrace as a practice? Um, and so I've really been wrestling, for instance, myself, um, with... Uh, media consumption, and and wondering what the, what that looks like, um, and how I I take that in, and um, and not just media consumption, but um, like supporting the the big producers of media, and and wrestling with um, like is is do I want to keep giving money to Amazon Prime um, as they start producing you know, cartoons aimed at kids that celebrate the devil and rewrite mm-hmm. uh, the story of the Bible based on a Gnostic story from 2,000 years ago. Do I want to do that? The irony being we are on a podcast right now using so different media platforms to do that. But the point is, mm-hmm. how are we using media for God's glory? And mm-hmm. how are we consuming media for our own glory? Perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'll put an even stronger point on that, because um, we all know the line, when you, you stare into the abyss too long, the abyss stares back at you. Um, you consume media. Do we all know that line? Uh, I don't know that line. Uh, well, you should get cultured. <laughs> <laughs> What's that from? I, I, I'm actually, I couldn't tell you what it's from, because it seems so culturally ubiquitous. <laughs> it's Frederick Nietzsche. There you go. Yeah, thank you, Josh. I, actually, yeah. I did know that. Yeah. There you go. Okay, you guys figured that out. That's good. Sorry to interrupt your point. No, you're fair. Uh, you called me a philosopher at the beginning. I feel like I failed in that, not being able to recognize the Nietzsche quote. That's why we keep the young brains around like Josh. Yes. Um, but to, to paraphrase Nietzsche, yeah. Um, when you consume media, um, eventually media will consume you. Right, And so maybe uh, in my life, i got to be asking the question, is this the thing I need to offer up as a living sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I said that, that was the, the, the cut off, the mortify, the put to death, but then what is the embracing of new life kind of thing? Um, one of the things that's beautiful about this text and the whole letter of Romans, right, and as we offer our bodies as living sacrifices, we do that in the fellowship of the body. Right, And so what are the community practices, the experiences of being brothers and sisters together in Christ that I need to embrace more of uh, and 
uh, add more into my life in order that I can be encouraged in this activity. What a great place to find, like, what do I need to cut off? What do I need to elevate? Is the comparison between the fruits of the spirit and the fruits of the flesh Mm. is the, oh, I need to cut the lust out of my life and have the love of God. I need to cut the, the, the pride and build humility. I need to cut the, um, the anger and produce joy. The, I like all of these things that are drawn in this beautiful comparison that are side by side is a, yeah, this is, this is what I desire and what God hates because of my sin. And this is what I need to craft into myself. Mm. That's good. Like, nope, that's good. I think, um, and I mean, I think anybody at home, I mean, at least this would be my prayer. We can, we can sit, you know, and, and just sit and think about this for a second and be like, yeah, this is an area that I need to trim the fat. If you're looking to like, just dumb this all the way down, think of a nice steak, you got to trim the fat and then you got to season up the good stuff. Right. (laughs) So like, that's what you need to do. How are you trimming the fat in our lives? What are we needing to cut out? And then what are we giving over to God? What are the fruits of the spirit in our life life's going to reflect then when we, mm-hmm. when we give this over? I appreciate that image. I think it's really helpful. It also makes me want to have steak for lunch. Um, and I'm not sure if you just backhandedly called me fat. I mean, I wasn't looking or pointing at you necessarily with that. <laughs> it's not me. <laughs> uh, and so as um, maybe we wind this part down a little bit, what are... Um, perhaps some take-homes for you both. I know, Chris, you just offered us a, a very vulnerable and personal one for you. Um, I, I'll give you mine as well. When you were talking about what are things that need to be cut away, how do we offer ourselves as living sacrifices? Um, there's definitely areas in my life, I, I'm, I'm a big sports guy, and so I always ask myself, how much is this um, just good hobby and fun? Because I don't think there's anything wrong with sport. I don't think there's anything wrong with following sports, but it, become a, it can become an idol if we aren't careful. And Mm so I always ask myself that question. Um, And then the flip of that is, how much of my life do I actually give to God? I mean, I Mm -hmm. sit in a church, uh, I get the the privilege of opening up the Word for work and and preparing different different sermons sometimes, but for sure, you know, chats with youth, and I I go into the catechism and stuff, but how much of that is is work? And how much of that is actually like... Mm -hmm. Um, like devotion to God, like actually doing it to glorify mm-hmm. the Lord. And so those are two things that that hit me in the head. Well, the, the take home for me is just, I, I, I can't lean on my own understanding in Proverbs. The, I, the, because of that idea of the renewal of my mind, I can't rely on myself. I need to rely on God because he's the only thing that is infallible. Which does, which does take us full circle. Yeah. I mean, it brings us right back to, Mm -hmm. um, and maybe this is just worth a real quick deep dive because the idea that it is uh, the only thing that makes sense is to give it all to God. Mm -hmm. Uh, it also combats the idea that, um, God is bigger than anything we could ever understand. And so the idea that you know more, what was your line? You had a beautiful quote, Chris, um, from your sermon that, that highlights this. I think it was like the idea that we know anything more than God knows everything, right? We, the, we need to put to death the idea that we know anything more than God knows everything. And I think for the Christian, we can hear that and be like, yeah, of course, like God is big, he's omniscient, he knows all things, that's fine. Like I can, I can mm-hmm. understand that God knows more than me. But in practice, I honestly think we mm-hmm. all suck at this. 
Um, we all think we know best. We all can get, give over the sin that we know about, but we sin so much more than we even acknowledge or recognize. Yeah. We have faulty views on all sorts of things. We are misconstrued by, by media outlets and conversations with friends yeah. and echo chambers. And so the idea that we need to put to death anything more or the, put to death the idea that we know anything more than God knows everything is huge. Yeah. And what I love is you'll see that in scripture is, and you can see it by reading the stories, but like God never asks a question because he doesn't know the answer. It's always to lead you into you learning something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, and to that point, Kevin, I think, um, we see this in, in Romans 14, we'll, we'll, and so we'll get to that in our, in our series. But um, Paul says very clearly there, anything that does not come from faith is sin. And so uh, that means there's a whole lot of mortifying that all of us need to do. And we are blind to most of it, apart from the being transformed by the renewing of our mind, apart from being in a community mm -hmm. that talks about uh, sin and the reality of sin and our struggles with us, and in a community that, that doesn't do that um, with a negative judgmentalism, but with an appropriate discerning of your life and an appropriate holding each other accountable, an appropriate pointing out those places that you might be blind to, uh, and I need a brother and a sister to come alongside and say, this, let's, let's open this up. And I need to, uh, as I confess to God, do that with my brothers and sisters, offer that confession with them. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about this beautifully in his book, Life Together, and we don't have too much time left to get into that. Um, but it is an, it's a, a powerful moment when you confess your sins in the presence of a brother, because then you are no longer alone in the sin. Right? And, and a great tool of the devil is to make us feel like we are alone in our sin, to make us feel like we're the only one who struggles with this. But confession in community breaks that down. And where we ended on Sunday, looking at worship, uh, in trusting the love of God, the love of God is made real in the yeah. community of God. And, and no one is better at divide and conquer than the devil. That is why he tempted Jesus in the desert alone. He didn't tempt him when he was with the disciples or near the cross. It was at the moment when he was alone. And if you're hearing this thinking, oh, it's such a pessimistic Christianity to be talking about sin so much or to be highlighting that, the reason we need to understand our sin is so that God's grace is magnified that much more with what he did in his life, death, and resurrection on the cross. And so it is not a pessimistic faith talking about sin. It is an acknowledgement of the sin that exists mm -hmm. so that we can elevate and glorify Christ even more. Amen. We are going to wind down now. Um, obviously, this conversation could keep going. And so once again, I encourage you all as you listen... Use this as a sort of model for your care groups, for your family dinners, for wherever you find yourself having these discussions. Have these conversations, because we clearly could have sat here a lot longer and talked about a lot more. Before we sign off, though, we want to spend a, one minute uh, looking at some moments in mission this year. And so uh, let's do that. 20 seconds each. Josh, give us a moment in mission this week. Uh, the Young Adults Bible Study, we finished Corinthians, we started Colossians, and we got to the beautiful passage in chapter 1 
about the supremacy of Christ, which is the coolest and most condensed resume of why Christ is who he is, why he's God, and why he's everything. Like, lines and titles like the image of the invisible God, firstborn of creation, by him all things were created, through him and for him. Before all things, held, he holds everything together, the head of the body, he's the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. Just unreal. Put another God next to that and he will fall instantly. Amen. Amen. <laughs> I, may I just say uh, <clears throat> that text in Colossians, every time I read it, I want to dance. Oh. Like I, I just love the the imagery and the language and the beauty of it. I think Christ sings in that text. That's worth the extra time spent. Chris, yeah. give us a moment in mission. <laughs> Uh, for us, um, we had an elders meeting uh, last week, and uh, the elders is a, a group of men who get together and who provide uh, spiritual theological leadership in the church, uh, and we have a really good group in the elders room right now, and I'm really, really grateful for the culture that we've established. Uh, we've worked hard in, in doing that, uh, and we are able to wrestle deeply with spiritual and theological things, wrestle deeply with pastoral needs and circumstances, and uphold our people in prayer, uh, and it is a beautiful thing. And so I'm really grateful for the meeting that we had last week. And my moment this past week was on Sunday, we had youth coffee, we went over to a congregant's house after church on Sunday, uh, we had an excellent turnout. There was over 40, I think there was 44 people at youth coffee on Sunday, um, Wonderful hospitality, excellent hosts, all sorts of games played, a lot of laughing. We had a great time. So Youth Coffee was a hit this weekend. Before we sign off, Josh, final thoughts? Um, I'm going to say it again. Lean on, on your own understanding. It's you, you can't trust your sinful brain. <laughs> excellent. Chris, final thoughts? I think just be willing to embrace being made uncomfortable. Right, mm-hmm. like the the act of being made uncomfortable is required for the the mortifying of our sin, uh, and so embrace that. Excellent. And so now, as we sign off from the podcast, as we step out of the narthex, so to speak, into everyday life, we encourage you to keep the conversations about faith going with the people around you. Thank you for joining us this week. On behalf of Chris and Josh, this is Kevin saying God bless and go in peace. We'll see you Sunday.